What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, here on Monday morning, January 11th, 2011. 111. Uh, oh my gosh, I said 2011. It's 2021. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> What a year it's been. Oh, my goodness. I just took a time machine back 10 years and was thinking about when things were better in Steeler land in Pittsburgh. And they were playing the Super Bowl 10 years ago and not getting bounced by the Browns in round one. We're going to talk NFL playoff football today. Everything that we saw over the weekend. We won't be previewing next weekend. We're mainly focusing on the recap, the takeaways from this past weekend. Tomorrow, I will be joined by Andrew Stem once again, who joined me last week, and we will recap the College Football National Championship, which is going on tonight. I'm so excited for that game. And then on Wednesday or Thursday, TBD, I'll, I'll release it tomorrow, most likely Wednesday. I'll, I'll give you an update tomorrow's episode. Jordan Morandini will join me, and we will be previewing the divisional round of the playoffs once again on Facebook Live, YouTube, and Twitter. That will all be live sometime Wednesday afternoon, most likely. More information. Stick around. Guys, if you like the show, please subscribe to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It'll do a lot of good for the show, uh, please leave a five-star rating and review. We're trying to grow this audience. I'm a full-time podcaster and writer right now, running things on the Jack Vita Show and jackvita.com. Check out the site, get our newsletter, subscribe to the podcast. mean a lot to me. And also, before we get into everything today, I want to thank our sponsors, and those are our friends at CBS All Access. My opinion, the best streaming service in the game. A lot of great stuff over there. Go to jackvita.com slash CBS. And if you're looking for some playoff apparel, memorabilia, you name it, go to jackvita.com slash fanatics. They have a lot of great stuff over there. When you purchase things through those links, you are funding this podcast. So shout out to our sponsors. Shout out to the audience. And just like that, let's get rolling. We have a really awesome guest this has been kind of a white whale for me, a guy I've wanted to have on this show for a really long time. We haven't been able to quite make it work, but I got Tyree Thomas joining me. Tyree Thomas Jr., I should say. Tyree Thomas <laughs> Jr. joining me via phone call. For those that don't know Tyree, this man played college football at both the Division Three and Division One level at Tiffin University and at Valparaiso University. Tyree, welcome to the show, man. How's it going, Jack? Thanks for having me. I'm glad we was finally able to make it happen. Yeah, me too. And I got to tell a little story uh, about our origin story of our friendship, because I think it's a good one that brings us it to this. It definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell it? You want to get us going with this? I'll let you go ahead and get it going. <laughs> so... Tyree and I transferred to Valparaiso at the same time. We both were the same age, and we both had transferred in from D3 schools, and we both were in a communication major, and we had heard from advisors and people at the school like, yeah, you can do radio here, sports radio, and it's really cool. And we were like, sick, like we'd love to have a radio show. That'd be a lot of fun. And we ended up going to the sports radio meetings, 
And it ended up being something that we weren't really expecting it to be, right, Tyree? Uh, definitely. <laughs> so we went to those meetings, and uh, it was all of a sudden, it was like Ty and I are wanting to just host a radio show and chill and, and talk sports. And we're getting thrown in to call games on ESPN3 and call <laughs> games on the student radio network. But even more tougher than that was running the studio. Uh, I remember, yeah, it was like one week into school and they just were like, oh, Jack and Tyree, let's put you guys in the studio. You guys can mic us up. You can do a halftime bit. And I got in there. I think technically the responsibility was on me and I had no idea what the heck I was doing. Tyree (laughs) showed up and Tyree and I had not really talked with each other, but we hung out in the studio for two hours. We had no idea what we were doing, but we we bonded in that time, and from that point on, became great friends. Definitely, man. It was <laughs> that was a good time learning everything on the fly and just being thrown into the fire and figuring it out together, man. That was hilarious. <laughs> it was really funny, and like you know, the thing is, is we did end up doing those broadcasts, and they were fun. I just think the thing was, neither of us. We're anticipating that's what we were signing up for. It was more like we were looking more to do a radio show. And then I got my radio show going, and you joined me quite a bit on there. And uh, finally, I was able to get you on this podcast. Man, it's awesome. I definitely have to um, try to come on more often, too. (laughs) See you're doing great things with your podcast. Thanks, man. Yeah, I would love to have you. Ty, you're a huge football nut. Uh, you played linebacker. And by the way, I, I got to correct myself. Tiffin, D2, not a D3 school. So <laughs> I, I goofed that up. You were playing at a higher level than I gave you credit for. <laughs> <laughs> but Ty, we have a lot to discuss this past weekend. First of all, Super Wild Card Weekend. Six games for the first time ever in one weekend. Was this a little too much football, Ty? You can never have too much football, man, especially (laughs) on the weekends. Everybody's on lockdown. Like, how could you not love this much football? It was kind of weird having this many games, but at the same time, it was awesome to be able to just uh, relax over the weekend and really enjoy the games and sit back as a fan and watch them. I enjoyed them, but I do think that four is just the right number. I think that... Doing these playoffs, it's the thing I don't really like with the six, and it's just not a very clean setup where you have one team with a bye, and you're looking at, okay, so the Chiefs could really be playing any number of opponents based on what happens with the Steelers game. You could potentially play three different opponents. That's all up in the air. Or I guess a better example would be we're waiting to find out, are the Saints going to win this game? Are the Bears going to win this game? Who's playing the Packers? And then are you going to have two wild card teams play each other next weekend? It just feels like unreasonably chaotic. Yes, it is way um, harder to predict, you know, who you're going to play and uh, have more time to prepare. And then uh, the bye can kind of be a disadvantage if you come out flat. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing to worry about. Um, usually, like, the bye helps when two teams have a bye. You kind of know who you're going to play somewhat. Like, it's really broken into, like, two different teams. But now, like, it's. It was so much going on yesterday that you didn't know who was going to play who until, like, you know, at the last second. So I agree with you from that standpoint. Yeah, and you end up diluting the playoff field by getting an 8-8 eight and eight team in there. And the AFC side, it, it sort of worked out that there were these three 
11 win teams in the wild card or maybe I think they yeah they all won 11 didn't they yes they all won 11 yeah so it was a funky year in the AFC side of things that it worked out that way but we're going to in the future if we keep rolling with this we're going to see more seven and nine teams in the playoffs eight and eight nine and seven I just like having the regular season mean a little more and so it was fun I just felt like they could have done it a little better. There were these hour-long breaks in between games, and it was more like, I just if I'm going to dedicate two full days to watching pro football, I'd like to have boom, boom, boom. I don't I don't need the yeah. hour-long break in between. I understand that. Yeah, it was definitely different with the setup of something that we're not used to. Um, it's an adjustment. I just love watching football, but I agree from the uh, setup standpoint that uh, they do need to sharpen it up a little bit. Yeah, I just don't know if it's the best setup for pro football just because I, th- I love that round number of 12 teams uh, that we've had for the last 20 years or so. I think that was a really great setup. But um, I, if it was college football and they were giving me 10 games <laughs> over the course of two days, I would not be complaining one bit. <laughs> so, Ty, we are having a rough morning. Both of our teams lost yesterday. Bears and the Saints, first of all, before we get into the ins and outs of what happened yesterday, did you watch the game on CBS or Nickelodeon? I watched it on CBS, but however, I did see uh, the Nickelodeon clips on Twitter, um, but I did not watch it on Nickelodeon. <laughs> what, what did you watch the game on? Oh, I watched it on Nick, man. You know I did. How was how was that experience for you? <laughs> I loved it. It was great. It was a, if I was I was thinking back, I mean, 10-year-old version of myself, this would have been like the highlight of the year. Because I love sports. I love Nickelodeon. They're incorporating it and making it very appealing to children. And the other thing that they did that I thought was really cool was they were they knew that there were going to be a lot of people such as me. I know Chase Beebe was watching this. 25 26 year old probably people even older than us who grew up watching nick and they're like oh this will be fun for nostalgia let's go to nickelodeon and they were dropping nick references from the 90s and the 2000s left and right it was it was amazing oh that's awesome that's awesome i should have watched it on there i don't know why i did it <laughs> <laughs> and hey arnold was your show right i love that show i used to watch it all the time i love hey arnold Oh, great show. They had cardboard cutouts of Hey Arnold um, in the stands. And so they had Arnold there. They had SpongeBob, Patrick, lots of lots of the characters. It was great. That's awesome. I also saw um, a video and they had kids like explaining different roles and stuff. I thought that was pretty cool, too, like for uh, younger kids who don't know the game very well uh, to kind of like just teach them different stuff. Also, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. It was really cool. They were explaining things very well. They had, honestly, I thought another thing about it, there are several things we can chat about here. Nate Burleson, I think, is one of the rising stars in this sports media industry, and he got, that was a nice spotlight on him. He did a remarkable job. I'd never heard him on a game before, but I've always loved him in the studio. He made, he was fantastic yesterday. Wow, I'm going to have to go back and uh, I didn't get a chance to hear um, his broadcast. I'm going to have to go take a look at it. So they had Nate Burleson and they had this girl named Gabby who was one of the stars from All That because they brought back All That. 
And so she was kind of learning the game a little bit, and they were making a lot of analogies to this is like um, when when a player is benched, it's similar to when a kid gets grounded for not doing something right or not doing their homework. And <laughs> <laughs> they had the slime animations. Did you see those on Twitter? Yes, I did. That looked pretty cool. Yeah, so they had the slime, and the only thing that I think was a little disappointing was that Sean Payton said, if we win this game, I would love to get slimed. And he just kind of snuck away and didn't take the slime. They had a slime bucket ready for him. And he, I don't know what Sean Payton was doing. That was, it was, uh, he faked us out. I think he actually did end up, um, going through with it. Like I saw it in the hallway. I think he was like in the hallway. Okay. So he actually did end up going through with it. I think. Okay, so it must have been, like, Twitter content, social media content that they weren't able to get on the live broadcast. Yes, it was over social media that I saw it. And did you see that they had a little uh, Kids Choice Award-looking blimp that they were handing out to the Nickelodeon Valuable Player? Um, I did not see it. Do you, so they allowed the fans and the kids to vote online for the most valuable player of the game. And Mitchell Trubisky won it. (laughs) (laughs) Mitchell Trubisky probably has an award. That's awesome. (laughs) About time, man. About time. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was a rough game for the bears, but this one, I mean, I think this gave me a lot more of excitement because I had mentioned, I watched every game this whole weekend. I felt, Felt like by the second half of that Bears Saints game, wasn't a real great game. I was starting to get burnt out a little bit, and so to have the uh, to have some of that fun stuff and them trying some stuff out, I think was really fun. It was really cool. And Ty, if I had told you in 2005 that there's going to be a children's network that's going to televise a live sports game. I would have bet the house that it was Disney Channel, not Nickelodeon. I would have never guessed that it was Nickelodeon. I honestly didn't even know about it until um, shortly before the game. Uh, <laughs> a friend of mine had called me and said, hey, are you going to watch the game on Nickelodeon? I was like, <laughs> they actually have that? Like, this is actually a thing? But I would have, I would have guessed that it would be Disney also, like, not Nickelodeon. But how they had, like, the setup and stuff looked pretty cool from the um, the videos that I saw online. Yeah, I think that this opens up a lot of possibilities for more live sports in the future. It is a little interesting that they chose a playoff game to be the first game that they would televise on Nickelodeon. But as I've discussed on this podcast, CBS and Viacom merged, so they're one and the same at this point. So they were able to link that up, have a game on CBS, have a game on Nickelodeon. I think there's a lot of potential to do more stuff like this. It's probably never gonna going to be a once every single week type of thing because I think at a certain point there'd be a group of kids that are out there rioting, upset that their shows are not being played on Sunday afternoons. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, I mean, could you imagine how cool it would be to watch that type of broadcast for something such as the NBA All-Star Game or All-Star Weekend where it's just something fun and goofy the whole time? Oh, that would be dope, man. And I th- I agree from um, that aspect. I think that uh, picking certain games and in certain moments would make it more entertaining and better versus just playing, like, every game on there. Like, yeah. 
Um, I think that'll be better to pick specific ones. Like All Star Weekend would be crazy. Like even the uh, All Star Weekend, like with the three point shootout and the dunk contest, like yeah. that would be crazy. Oh, I'd love that. And what they can do is just have your kid feed on one channel, and then the regular feed for the non kids on another channel, and. I no one should have anything to complain about. I saw some people on Twitter that were overly critical of the Nickelodeon broadcast, and I was just thinking, I'm like, why are you watching it on Nickelodeon if you're not enjoying it? If you don't have kids, right. if you don't have any, you know, heart and sense, sense, uh, <laughs> sentimental ism with it. I agree. There's, um, <laughs> there's no point in watching it if you're not enjoying it. Like you're not forced to watch it because they did have it on the other channel. So I don't yeah. understand why people are being critical of it either yeah so i will say last thing on it it was a little shaky in terms of some of the like you could tell it was their first time ever televising a live sports event they sometimes put up the wrong graphics sometimes they had the they put on the wrong replay the camera angles were a little off but i'm forgiving hey it's nickelodeon i wasn't expecting anything remarkable it was their first time doing it Great job by Nick. Great job by Nate Burleson. Great job by the other folks that put this thing together. It was a lot of fun, and I think it's uh, it's a great... I'm really excited to see how other sports, including the NFL, try to do stuff like this in the future to make their game appealing to children. It'll be interesting to see how they move forward with this. I think they got to start with it. It'll just be interesting to see how they proceed in the future. Absolutely. Well, Tyree, how are you feeling about the Bears after after yesterday's game? <laughs> so I'm devastated. Um, I feel like we had so many chances to put ourselves in a position to win the game. Um, I think when Javon Williams, when he dropped that touchdown <sighs> pass, missed through a perfect pass. I mean, you couldn't have thrown the ball any better. And he dropped it. Then from there, the penalties killed us. Um, the penalties really hurt us. And then also, I'm not one to really make excuses, but um, Roquan Smith was out. That was a big loss for us. Uh, he's great in coverage, great at stopping the run. He's one of the leading tacklers in the NFL this year. And um, the rookie receiver, Darnell Mooney, was out also with the injury. And I think that he's a great um, great sidekick to Allen Robinson. I think he yeah. opens up a lot for him, too. And uh, missing him and having that deep threat, I think it hurt us a lot because the Saints secondary is pretty solid um, with their corners. Their cornerbacks are pretty solid. Their defense overall is pretty solid. But I think penalties killed us a lot. And it was kind of painful to watch just the mistakes. And I guess a team like the Saints, you know, they're in the playoffs every year. They have experience. Uh, they're used to being in this situation. you got to capitalize when you have the chance. You can't keep making mistake after mistake after mistake and thinking you're going to win a game like that. Mitch didn't play horrible. Um, no, he made he some wild throws, but I feel like it's it's kind of tough to put the blame on him. I think it was more so the penalties and just not capitalizing uh, when we needed to the most. Like uh, when Eddie Jackson jumped off sides on that one play. Yeah, gave him a first down. That that killed us. Like I just I just knew at that point like it's not looking good. Just penalty after penalty. It was really tough to watch, and um. As far as the Saints, Drew Brees played solid. Kamara, he ran the ball pretty well, a little better than I thought. Um, but their receivers didn't really um, – they didn't have, like, a, a crazy game or nothing. You know, I think the game was very winnable. Yeah. 
I'll tell you what, Ty, if Darnell Mooney is playing yesterday, he's in that spot where Javon Wims, the ball goes through his hands. Mooney hauls in that catch, and I think it's an entirely different game. I think that that ball going through his hands, there was a questionable interception overturned, and there was that ridiculous penalty where, was it uh, Cole Komet who drew a 15-yard unsportsmanlike penalty? Yes, when, he, when the rep uh, said he threw the ball. Yes, yeah, that, that those three things all happened within five to ten minutes of game time, and I think a combination of all three of those things, two of them that were very suspect, not really the Bears' fault, I think those three things, just one of them plays out differently. I think that's an entirely different game. I agree. The momentum is, is key in football. And yeah. the momentum, we could just never gain it by making those mistakes uh, with the drop ball. And then especially like um, when he threw the ball at the ref, like that put us in a bad position. We couldn't even kick a field goal at that point. Like it, it was just tough, you know, um, being in that position. It, it, we were never really able to gain any type of momentum. Anytime we would be driving or like just mistakes would happen. Yeah, it was a tough game. It was a very winnable game for the Bears. And I'm not a huge believer in the Saints because it seems that they let these teams that they play in the playoffs, they let these games get a little too uncomfortably close, uh, yeah. which, uh, you know, they did take off in the second half. But, I mean, Bears had, were in that game. They could have won that game. Saints have done this now the last three years where they've, quite frankly, they've choked. Yes. The Saints are a great regular season team. Then yeah. once they get to the playoffs, um, they become a completely different team. And I don't trust them either. I thought we could honestly win the game, but yeah. things happened the way they did. But the Saints aren't really a team that I would consider to be um, a threat to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, some people will say that. Technically, they are a contender, but I'm not. Uh, we'll <laughs> save my pick uh, with Jordan. They'll come out on Wednesday or at least Thursday, and we can uh, we can evaluate that Bucks saints game later on. A couple other things. So I'm really curious to see what happens here with the Bears moving into this offseason. They could really go in any direction possible. But I will say... Mitch did not play poorly yesterday. And in fact, I think that what Matt Nagy did really hurt them more than Trubisky because Nagy was playing not to lose. He wasn't playing to win. They got the ball. They were down uh, 10 or so before the half, and they had a little opportunity. Mitch is throwing – his deep ball looked really good yesterday. He had a, a few really good throws down the field, including that drop – and Negi was just rolling over and saying, oh, we can't have Mitch beat us. And at this point, it's like you're down 10 on the road. You got to go for it. You got to swing for the fences here, buddy. And you can tell that um, that he doesn't trust trust Mitch. Yeah. You can just tell by the play calling that he doesn't trust him. And that's kind of limiting him. Um, I hope that they bring him back because I don't feel that it was Mitch's fault. Uh, maybe bring someone else to uh, compete with him because Nick Foles isn't the long-term answer for us either. Um, I feel like they should bring us one to, to compete with Mitch and give him another opportunity. But it comes down to play calling. No matter how good a player is, if 
the coaches and calling the right plays and giving them a chance to showcase what they can do, then they're going to be like bottled up. I feel like he really bottled up Mitch and uh, limited him to doing what he does best. Um, and it, that comes down to trust. You can just tell by the play calling that he doesn't trust him. And that plays on Mitch too. Um, imagine playing for a coach who doesn't trust you. And yeah, uh, you can tell through the play calling, like that's, the mental aspect of sports is a big thing too, just as big as the physical aspect. So what do you think happens next with the Bears? Do you think they run it back one more year? Ryan Pace, the executive, Matt Nagy, the coach, Mitchell Trubisky, the quarterback. Do you think all three of those guys are back next year? Do you think they try to move maneuver and do something a little differently with quarterback? It, it's They're a really interesting spot, Ty. Yeah, I think um, Mitch, I don't know if he'll be back. Um, I think that Pace and Nagy, I think that both of them will keep their jobs. I think Mitch really saved his job by getting uh, the Bears into the playoffs. Um, if they didn't make the playoffs this year, he would have really been on the hot seat. But I think that they'll give them another year or two. Um, I think that the most important thing, though, is bringing back Allen Robinson. Yeah. And if we lose Allen Robinson, that would be a tough blow. And that would just mess up the whole offense, I think. And uh, just add in, add in another receiver. So you'll have uh, Robinson, Mooney, and then uh, another great receiver. Bolstering that offensive line. Yes, the offensive line. And injuries uh, hurt the offensive line, too. Yeah. Uh, ever since James Daniels has been out, like, the whole line kind of went down a little bit. Um, and performance, the way they played, is just poor. And, you know, that was very important, too, to quarterback play and how well you can run the ball, how good is your offensive line. I think that's a position that often gets overlooked by people just watching, but uh, offensive line is one of the most in, uh, important positions in football, and that can determine a lot on how well your offense performs. Yeah. So, final score on that game, Saints 21, Bears 9. Bears go home at 8-8. Eight and eight. Saints live to see another day. They will host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next weekend. All right. Now it's my turn to vent on this next game that we're going to talk about. (laughs) The Steelers lose last night 48-37 to a decimated Cleveland Browns roster without their head coach with several guys playing in that game who had never practiced before with the Browns. It was the most embarrassing loss that I've seen in my lifetime for this organization. They had won their last 17 games at home against the Cleveland Browns. They had previously, the week before, they they held some stuff back because they wanted the Browns in the playoff. And this was got to be as unbiased as possible. This was a really impressive, awesome win for the Cleveland fans, for the Cleveland team, to stick it in the Steelers' face. Juju was really painting a big target on the Steelers' back all season. He and Eric Ebron had been ripping the Browns over the last few weeks, and going into this week, Juju had said something along the lines of, they're the same Cleveland Browns, we beat them all the time. Juju is... My goodness, what are you doing? What are you doing with the TikTok stuff? What are you doing? You're just putting a bullseye on this Steelers team. It was it was really bad, Tyree. Yeah, let's uh, start this off by saying Corvette, Corvette. <laughs> <laughs> Juju really 
Juju really painted a target on the Steelers' back. And I think that really made the Browns players uh, wake up for that game and just go into it with that mentality, like, we're not going to lose this game. Um, yeah. That's not something you really say. Of course, like, everybody knows the history of the Browns, and the Browns are the Browns. But this year, they have been a really great team. They've been performing well. Uh, they probably have their best running back tandem in the NFL right now yeah. between Chubb and Hunt. Um, so they're they're a really good team. Like they're capable of winning games, and it's a division uh, rival at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, you guys play them multiple times a year, so you know how the, the team plays. You can lose to anybody in the division on any given Sunday. So knowing that, you got to go into the game with with the different mentality. And I think um, that the Steelers kind of underestimated the Browns a little bit and what they was capable of doing. And it kind of all started with uh, Marquise County um, tossing the ball over Big Ben's head. And yeah. the Browns scoring the defensive touchdown. Then from there, like, that was just a tall tale of how the game would turn out. That play right there yeah. was like, that's like, <laughs> that's like this is what the game was. That was it, was what it was reminiscent of that Broncos-Seahawks Super Bowl where the same thing happened on one of the first plays where they snapped the ball over Peyton's head. It's a bad snap. And... It may have it may have been a safety, but from that point on, the Legion of Boom, that was all they needed. They got that huge emotional boost, and that game wasn't close at all. Oh, yeah. I agree. And that, that really just – the turnovers uh, killed the Steelers. Yeah. Um, turnover after turnover. Big Ben threw four interceptions. Like, it's hard to really beat a team when you're throwing four picks and just turn the ball over like that. Uh, just – I think that they, that the Steelers came out in the second half a little sharper, but by that point it was too late. You go down twenty eight zero in the playoff game. Uh, that's really that's so hard to come back from. Like you yeah. rarely see that. Yeah, it's there's so many things that I can pick apart with this Steelers game because Ben played both great and horrible. He was mm-hmm. it was the best of both Bens. Really, you got the good and the bad and the ugly, and it was. <laughs> It was it was rough to see, but I was happy. I think the fact that that game ended up being relatively interesting down the stretch in the fourth quarter, it made me feel a little better just because they didn't roll over and you got to see a little more of the vintage Big Ben. And there's so many things that I can say about this. I guess I'll just run through it and I'll vent and I'll let you react. And uh, <laughs> okay, so. This has been the Steelers. Are, have, they were not the same team weeks 11 through 17 that they were weeks 1 through 10. Now, there were several things that did not play into their favor. They lost a lot of guys on that defense and offensive line. I mean, they really were decimated by injuries. They didn't have a real bye week. They had two games get rescheduled on them. Now, Great teams rise above that. Steelers a little older of a team. I think they're a team that probably needed a bye week more than other teams. I think the Chiefs could kind of roll through something like that. The Bills, they might be okay. But Big Ben, he needs a bye week. I Technically, he got week 17 off. But, I mean, they didn't go into the playoffs with any momentum. They ended up losing five of their last six games, including yesterday's game. Now, you can't really, I don't think there's anyone that you can point the finger at. I think it's been a collectively disappointing end of this season. Number one, there's been no running game and really no commitment to a running game. I think that this offensive coordinator could be the guy that takes the fall first. He might be the first one out in this situation. They have a lot of guys who are free agents, and 
They're going to have some decisions to make. I don't think Juju's going to come back. I think Bud Dupree and Spillane and some of the offensive linemen are probably higher priorities than Juju is. They tend to draft and replace skill players rather than signing them and giving them a lot of money. Nevertheless, this this play calling, it was flawed. They ban- abandoned the run. They had no run g- game over the last eight weeks of the season. Maybe it started a little sooner than that. They were so committed to all these short little slant routes and just get the ball off really quickly. And I think there's great value to that and getting rid of the ball quickly. But at the same time, they need a little more diversity in their offense. They were too one-dimensional. They weren't multi-layered. They weren't multi-dimensional. They weren't throwing the ball down the field. When you saw them start to throw the ball down the field in the second half of that game, they looked like an entirely different juggernaut. So there's that. Ben looked a little frantic after that fumble. That was a pretty wild play. He didn't look like the same guy. He, he threw three picks. They end up getting 28 points off those four turnovers. By the end of the game, the defense looked cooked. Mike Tomlin made a poor decision on that fourth and short. You're down 12 with at the start of the fourth quarter, and I really thought that I was starting to think Steelers might win this game. Tomlin chooses to punt on fourth and short. I would not have punted. I would have kept it going. You keep that momentum. Now, all of a sudden, it's a one-score game with a whole quarter left. Instead, they give him the ball, and Baker heats up, and the Browns return the momentum after that stop. There's a lot of things that happen. I don't think you can put it solely on anybody. I agree. I don't think that you can pin it on just one single player or just one single coach. I think it's just like as the collective unit, uh, just get, didn't get the job done. And I agree about the run game. James Conner couldn't get going. I think he uh, was averaging like three yards a carry. Um, yeah. And without a running game, like that's tough. And you guys was there. And Big Ben, um, I think he threw for 501 yards. Um so he didn't play horrible as far as like statistically with getting the ball down the field. Like he started heating up uh, later in the game. Uh, the turnovers just hurt earlier in the game. But I don't think it's like one uh, single person or uh, that you can blame for for the loss, you know. And yeah, after you guys started off so well, uh, was undefeated. After that yeah. first loss, it's like things just went downhill. And yeah. I don't know really where that stemmed from. Like how it was never. Um, something that you guys were able to like kind of bounce back from, like it was just tough, you know. And what do you think as far you say you don't think Juju's coming back? What do you feel like this is the future for Big Ben? You think he'll be back for another year? Yeah, I was thinking about this before we got on, and last night emotionally, I was thinking this might be the last time I see him. Could still could be at least in a Steelers uniform. I know he really wants to come back one more year. I still think that he's a guy you can win a Super Bowl with. I still think he's a really good quarterback. He's in that. We'll talk more about this later, but I think there are really only two, maybe three elite quarterbacks. I really think it's Mahomes and Rodgers, and there's every then there's a number of really good guys who can their performance can differ uh, year in and year out. You see the good and the bad, sort of like Russell Wilson, who was amazing the first eight weeks or so of the season and then not great this past weekend. We'll talk about that. But I think Roethlisberger is still in that category of a guy who's really good, who can win. You can win a Super Bowl with now. 
I, I just don't really know. The part of the problem is they're at a crossroads here. They have so many free agents. They have a lot of young guys in addition to those free agents. So it's it seems like it could be a natural time where you could start a rebuild. But the Steelers are going to be picking around pick 23, pick 24, unless they want to trade up. I think the, the top four quarterbacks in this draft, you got obviously Trevor, you got Justin Fields, you got Zach Wilson, you got Trey Lance. I think all those guys could be gone by pick seven. Kyle Trask, Matt Jones, maybe one of those guys sticking around. I don't know if I love that. So that's an option. And then maybe you could keep that guy with Ben. Maybe you just go with Ben and Rudolph one more time. And if Ben's not playing well, you you give it to Rudolph. He did play pretty well last week. Um, but I, I don't think Rudolph is a long-term franchise quarterback. So, And then the other option, I think, potentially, someone floated this on the Steelers Facebook group that I'm in. What if the Steelers go out and they trade for Matt Stafford? And now you're... Now Matt Stafford's going to be expensive, but you're basically taking, you're basically getting what Ben was five years ago, and you could have this guy for the next three to five years. Again, it could be a natural point where it might make sense for you to just get younger in general. I don't know how good you're going to be, depending on what you lose this off season, but I think that could also be a viable option. I think that uh, Stafford wouldn't be a bad option for. Um for replacement for Big Ben. Because like you said, if you don't have um, a top 10 pick, like those quarterbacks are going to go pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, so you know they're not going to last to the later uh, picks in the round. Um, so you, at that point, what do you do? Do you go out and get a veteran who can perform right away? You already know what they're capable of doing. Or do you try to trade up, which would still be tough. But uh, trading up could be another possibility if they want to just completely go young and, yeah, uh, get another quarterback. But I feel like the Steelers team right now is um, just a few pieces away from you know being a contender. So yeah, at that point, do you want to uh, do a complete rebuild, or do you want to just retool a little bit and uh, reshape some positions and try to go after it? Why? Because the defense is really good. The defense yeah. is good. I know um, yesterday was a little rough, but overall the defense is uh, they perform well, and that's not that's like a strong suit. You have a good defense. Uh, you need a good running game too that'll help. But it's a passing league. You guys have you guys are able to pass the ball, but not having a running game really hurts, you know. So I yeah. think get another running back who can consistently get you four and a half yards per carry, who can uh push again a hundred yards a game, I think that'll help a lot. Like yeah. the Colts, look at how good the Colts were um with playing oh, yeah. great defense and running the football. Phillip Rivers is uh well past his prime. Um, he's really just a game manager right now, um, but kind of copying that type of uh, game plan, I think, could benefit the Steelers. Yeah, I think most likely they'll run it back one more time. Next year is Ben's last year, uh, mm-hmm. if that were to happen, and it would just be a logical type of season where you go in and it's like, all right, we know this is the end after this, but now we can, with Ben, we can try to go for it, and maybe we do it, and if we don't... Then in the second half of the season, we come out of the gate slow. We see what Mason Rudolph has. We give him another shot. And if they can't win games, now you now you maybe have a top 10 pick next year. And you have a better shot at drafting that franchise quarterback. Definitely. 
I think that's the most likely thing. But I'm a big Matt Stafford guy, so I'd love to see that. I think you could get another three, five years out of him. And I think he's one of the underrated quarterbacks of this generation. Oh, definitely. From an arm talent standpoint, Stafford is able to do things that a lot of quarterbacks can't. But playing in Detroit is, is tough. I think he often gets overlooked when people mention the best quarterback yeah. in the NFL. I would definitely put Stafford up there, but a lot of people don't simply because of him playing in Detroit. And you already know about the Lions, and <laughs> they don't win. <laughs> they don't win. They don't win games, and and I think Stafford uh, often gets overlooked because of that. Well, Ty, we got four other games to talk about. I promise the listeners we won't go as long on these next four. Uh, we just had to with the Bears and the Steelers. Uh, so we'll run through these a little quicker. But the next one I want to talk about, speaking of quarterbacks, Russell Wilson did not play well at all on Saturday. And look, I know you're going up against a really good defense, really good pass rush, really good corners with Jalen Ramsey, who really got in uh, DK Metcalf's head over the weekend. But you got to play better than that if you want to be considered a truly elite quarterback I think this is kind of par for the course with Russell Wilson. You get these games where he looks phenomenal, and you get these other games where you're just kind of like, what's going on with this guy? I personally think he holds on to the football a little too long, and I think the problem, now you could maybe, maybe you could put it on him, maybe you could put it on the Seahawks coaching staff and their scheme. I don't see, it's the opposite of what the Steelers do, where they're never chewing up yards on short passes. It's like he's got to hit a home run on every single play. It's got to be a 50-yard dime down the field, which he can throw so well. He throws one of the best deep balls in the league. He extends plays really well. But that's not that's not a high – you're not going to succeed on those at a very high rate. And so what we saw was – a pretty poor performance from that Seahawks offense in a game that you're facing a backup quarterback. They prefer the backup quarterback over Jared Goff because Jared Goff broke his thumb on his throwing hand a couple weeks ago. That guy comes out of the game. Now you're playing against Goff with four fingers and you still end up losing that game. Yeah, that's tough. And I actually was going to hit on that point. I think the problem with Russell Wilson is, uh, they're always looking for the deep ball. They're looking to hit a home run play. They don't throw a lot of stuff underneath. Uh, they don't just take those chunks of yard to, to drive the ball downfield. They're always looking for the deep play, whether that's to DK Metcalf or to Tyler Lockett or uh, more, just any of their receivers. They're always looking to, to hit a home run. And I think that's where the turnovers come into play. He started off the season so well at a historic yeah. rate, and then – he just started going downhill on a decline. Then he has some games where he performs amazing. Then other games where he just like, like who is this guy? This isn't Russ. You know, yeah. where he'll make like, uh, he'll make dumb throws or he'll hold on to the ball too long. Like you, like you mentioned, instead of getting rid of it quick or throwing, uh, throwing to the check down. Uh, he just always looks for the home run. And sometimes that puts him in a bad position because their defense isn't great. So if they're turning the ball over a lot, that really uh, puts them in a tough position because uh, they're not able to get a lot of stops. Their defense was actually starting to click down the stretch there. They looked really good on Saturday. Yeah, they looked solid. Um, Bobby Wagner had a really good game, too. And um, yeah. Brooks, the rookie linebacker, uh, he looked really good. I think he came on late in the season. 
at the beginning of the season, he was kind of shaky, but as it, as time went on, I think he performed really well. Um, but the Seahawks, I just, I didn't expect them to lose, to be honest. That no, me neither. Just so high-powered, you know, and they just underperformed. Russell, he really didn't have a great game. Like, that was honestly one of the worst games that he's had this season. Yeah, he didn't. I mean, that's the thing, and I think it's so interesting with Russell because I stick out like a sore thumb because I feel like I'm one of the only people that provides some form of criticism when he doesn't play well. I, I kind of pointed out, I say, you know what? He didn't play well. He's one of the only guys that I feel like throughout his whole career, when he doesn't play well, I mean, I didn't hear Joe Buck or Troy Aikman say a single negative thing. I heard them keep saying, oh, he needs to get some more help on this offense. It's always, he's a one-man show. And look, you know, sometimes sometimes things aren't always in your favor. It's not like they have an amazing offensive line, but it's not a horrible one. There are other quarterbacks who don't have great offensive lines. Aaron Rodgers is the type of guy who Aaron Rodgers doesn't play well, and you're not going to hear the last of it the whole week. Same thing with Lamar. There are a lot of guys like that. And instead, I feel like his whole career, going back to he threw an interception in the Super Bowl to lose a Super Bowl, and no one was criticizing him. Everyone was criticizing the coach for the play call. Yeah, they, they wasn't. I don't, I don't know um, why he wasn't uh, criticizing the play calling <laughs> when that's like a big thing too. Um, play calling, that can really put you in a bad position. I do consider Russ to be an elite quarterback. That's where we kind of differ. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do consider him to be an elite quarterback, but I can see where the critics in because of his decision-making. And, you know, early on in his career, a lot of people consider him a game manager, and um, he wouldn't turn the ball over as much. And then they start saying, let Russ cook, let Russ cook. So now um, I think the play call is more freely. I think he has a lot of um, ability to, like, change the plays. I think his coach gives him a lot of freedom, too. And with that, it really comes down to decision-making. Are you going to be smart? Because uh, we've seen in the past with quarterbacks who had freedom to – really, you know, adjust the place, but they're not turning the ball over as much as Russ is. So I think you yeah. can criticize play calling, too. I don't think it was a good game plan yeah. uh, really coming out. I just think it's interesting that for most other franchise quarterbacks, you get from the fans and from the press, it's like, oh my gosh, Lamar can't win a big one. Now, granted, Lamar, I mean, Russell did technically win a Super Bowl, but... Ben is going to receive a lot of criticism today. Rodgers has gotten criticism when his team hasn't played well. Russell, I feel like, has gotten... I mean, I feel like he kind of gets a free pass sometimes. Now, maybe that'll change soon. Now, again, this isn't Ty. I think he's a really good quarterback. Uh-huh. But I just think that there should be a little more accountability when a guy like him doesn't play well. I agree. I agree. I think that he has the talent and leadership abilities to get the job done. And for the past few years, he hasn't got the job done when it mattered the most. Um, yeah. Kind of since, I don't know, since that um, interception in the Super Bowl, is just the playoff runs for them haven't been great. They just no. haven't been able to, to get back to that, to that level, uh, no matter who's on the team, no matter how good of a regular season they have. They haven't been able to get back to that level. And oftentimes when they do lose, it's because Russ has a bad game. They're so relying on him for everything. And when he doesn't have a good game, they're just, they're not going to win those big games. Yeah. 
they had another one a couple years ago, that game in Dallas in uh, Wild Card Weekend, that he didn't play great in that one either. They lost that game, and they've been out of the playoffs pretty uh, pretty early for the last several years. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they have a pretty early every year. It is, <laughs> and the window's going to start closing over time. Um, yeah. So it's, they got to win within win, try to win within the next few years because the window's going to close. And uh, that's when you had to start playing, paying players because they have a few young players, but they also have some veterans. But uh, you need to capitalize now while DK Metcalf isn't on his contract year, uh, while you can put money into other positions. Like the window's uh-huh. going to start closing for them. They need to capitalize now, and uh, they need to figure something out. Like uh, with the Russ, they need to come up with a different game plan. They don't need to always look for the deep ball. They need to have a different strategy because obviously it's not working that way. Trying to throw the ball deep downfield, that's not something that's working well for them to, to win those big games in the playoffs. It works well when you're playing Madden 2003, but it doesn't work <laughs> in a NFL game every single every single play. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's me playing Madden with uh, the Chiefs and trying to throw a deep ball. <laughs> that's what I feel like I'm watching. <laughs> Yeah, those old Madden games, you could just run a Hail Mary on every single play, and it was unstoppable. It, it, it always you worked. You could stop it at all. No matter what defense you run, you would not be able to stop it. <laughs> oh, it was a lot of fun. Those are great games. <laughs> I, definitely. <laughs> Next, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning 31-23. Oh, by the way, final score on that Rams Seahawks game, 30 to 20. Bucks over the Redskins, 31-23. Sorry, Washington football team, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Washington football team, Taylor Heineke. What percentage of NFL fans do you think knew this guy's name before Saturday night? I would say about 3% yeah, I don't think anyone, <laughs> I don't think anyone really knew who this guy was coming to the game. Like, like I didn't even know he was going to start, to be honest. And then I'm like, wow, like for him to come out and do what he did in the game, it's amazing. Like that's a that's a crazy story. Like that's just you love to see stuff like that. He's going to get a contract somewhere next year. He'll be on a roster. He was really dang good. Age 27, so he's not really a young, a super young guy. Uh, it's not like you're looking at some elite prospect here, but he could get a little bit of that Case Keenum or Nick Foles type opportunity. Maybe he's the guy the Bears should pick up, Ty. Uh, I think <laughs> so. He's he's a really good player from the game that I saw, but I think the Bears need to uh, need to go a little younger. Yeah, I think the Bears need to go a little younger and try to try to get someone in the draft. I don't know how that happened with the pick that we have. Uh, but yeah, the Bears, we, we can't afford too many more risks at this point. <laughs> after, Nick, after the Nick Foles flop, uh, man. <laughs> he was playing in the XFL earlier this year before the lockdowns. I don't even, I, my brother told me that he was a backup. He wasn't even the starting quarterback on the XFL team he was on. He played at Old Dominion, which is an FCS school. Really great story. He looked really good, put up a great fight against the Bucks. It wasn't enough. I'm pretty high on this Bucks team, Ty. Honestly, I was looking at the landscape, and I think this Bucks team has a chance to really go to the Super Bowl uh, to come out to I NFC. think so, too. 
Yeah. Like, how do you really stop their, their passing attack? And then Fournette was running the ball hard. And then um, you still have Ronald Jones, too. <laughs> and then that <laughs> defense, they had, they had moments in the season that they showed that they're capable of being a good defense. And they had moments where you're like, whoa, this secondary is they're yeah. not performing well. They're getting, they're getting cooked. Um, yeah. But I think they have it in them. They have the makeup to, to get to the Super Bowl and really have a shot at winning it. Uh, they're yeah. they're a tough team. They're a tough team to beat, I think. And um, I know you don't really want to go into <laughs> into like prediction, future predictions at the moment. Uh, so we'll stick on topic. Well, but, Ty, um, I'll give you a chance before we go. You can share your picks for next week. Oh, you can run through them real quick. Okay, we'll do it at the end. Sounds good. But Tom Brady, okay. man, this dude. <laughs> Man. <laughs> age 43 the dude just keeps doing it it's it's amazing i'm trying to think of an equivalent is there an artist like maybe kanye where the dude just keeps churning out great music with age or maybe maybe people don't like jesus as king as much as i do but <laughs> <laughs> i don't think we see any equivalent to what tom brady is doing at his age just performing at a high level like Tom Brady, the yards that he put up this year, what, 4,633 yards, 40 touchdowns. I mean, at, at the age 43, some guys oh, don't yeah. even get that in their whole career. And this this guy, like, he's still doing at the age 43. I guess, okay, I got, an, I got an analogy. It's Paul McCartney playing at the Super Bowl at age 60-something back in 2005, and he just sounds the same as he did 40 years before that. <laughs> that was an analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I'm happy. I enjoy watching Tom Gronk out there. It's it's a fun team. It'll be fun to keep watching them. Got to give props to the Washington football team. Chico Rivera, they put up a great fight this year. Uh, good story in Heineke. I don't know if we'll see Alex Smith out there ever again. I don't think so. Um, I think they kind of brought him back because of the redemption story. Like, his story is amazing yeah. as well. Like, oh, yeah. uh, it's a blessing that he was able to recover and even play another down with a gruesome injury like that. Uh, but I don't think that they uh, bring him back uh, out there or, like, he'll be an option as far as it goes for starting for them. I don't think Alex Smith would be the option for them going forward. Buffalo Bills win their first playoff game in – yeah, they lost last year. This is their first playoff win in a very long time. Fans waited a long time for that one. Bills Mafia, great fan base. Uh, happy for them. They win that game 27-24. was your first game of the weekend over the Colts. Josh Allen, I'm starting to see as this guy, as I've seen this guy mature and seeing him blossom, I see some Aaron Rodgers in this guy. I agree. I've been very high on uh, Josh Allen since he came in the league. Um, yeah, you and I both. I, I remember watching a, a YouTube video. They had a highlight tape with drop passes from his receivers. That's how bad it was. Hmm. And it wasn't on him. A lot of times people were like, oh, his incompletion. Uh, I mean, his completion yeah. percentage is so low. And I'm like, if you actually watch a game or if you like, actually study and research it, you'll see how many passes his receivers drop. And that makes him look bad. But this, his arm talent. It's athleticism, like, man, this guy is next level. I think that, if I remember this correctly, I could be I could be wrong. 
going back to that 2018 draft, I remember, I think we were on the same page with this. My, my view was that Josh Allen was the best quarterback in the draft and Lamar was the second best quarterback in the draft. I think you may have said the same thing or maybe just slightly differed on that, but I think we both were pretty high on both those guys. Yeah, both those guys were our top two. I thought Lamar yeah. would be a little better, but I, I said Josh Allen was uh, right behind him. So okay, like so you had Lamar as a number one guy. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So pretty cool to see all these year three quarterbacks picking up wins. Baker got a win, and I got to give him some props for that win. We touched on it earlier, but, I mean, Baker won a playoff game. He played pretty well. He When they needed him to make some plays down the stretch, he made those plays. Now, I'm still not – I don't think he's a great quarterback. He's not a guy that I put too much faith into in these playoffs, but got to give him props for winning a huge game for the Cleveland, a Cleveland organization that it had been a very long time. Josh Allen bringing the Bills to the promised land now. I love watching him play. He does the stuff that Rodgers does where he extends the plays and he floats these little passes that you think he's throwing out of bounds and there's a receiver there where his guy is the only guy who has a chance at catching it. Right. His arm strength is, is crazy, man. Like, yeah. I think that's why he's able to make some of these passes because he's able to get it in that tight window that, that only the receiver can get to it. Like, his arm talent is, is next level. Him and Mahomes, as far as like just natural arm ability, just strength and uh, velocity on the throw, Rodgers is up there too uh, with those guys as far as that goes. But those yeah. guys make some of the like those throws that that you just don't see. Like you're like, how how does he make that throw? <laughs> you know, and like you'll watch Josh Allen playing some of the plays that he makes. Like how, and you see a big difference from him uh, last year in the playoffs to this year. Like you could just tell that last year he was nervous and he just wasn't himself, and like he just he just didn't perform well, and he just looked, he would make like those those plays that you can tell. Like this guy hasn't been in this position before. But this year, you see how he's matured, um, how he's making the smart plays, how he's not turning the ball over, and he's just getting the job done. And he's making those great plays still, but he's being smart with his decision-making. Yeah, they finally got him some receivers. He finally has a supporting cast that's uh, that's noteworthy. Stephon Diggs has been great for him. Cole Beasley being more of a number two, number three guy rather than being that number one draw last year. I guess John Brown is another one. But, yeah, a lot of, lot of credit to the Bills. Colts had a really good season. I think that ultimately they're a quarterback away from being a real contender. I think Phillip Rivers, he let him down the field early in that game. It's hard for me to imagine them bringing him back because he's just not the same Phillip Rivers from several years ago. And... I think, I mean, he kind of regressed real quick. I mean, two years ago, he had the Chargers in the playoffs. Nevertheless, this is another spot where, I mean, I'd like to see Stafford here. I mean, Stafford would make them a real legit contender. Sam Darnold would be another guy that I'd be interested to see him in this situation just to see what he's got. But I think that they're probably going to make a switch at quarterback this off season. And they're the type of team that really is just that quarterback away. They have everything else. They literally have everything else. And then Marlon Mack was out for the year too. Jonathan Taylor oh, yeah. had an amazing season. So those guys are going to be able to complement each other well and stay fresh. Um, I think by Marlon Mack getting hurt, 
that allowed Jonathan Taylor to come into his own this year and get opportunities that he might not have got if uh, Mac was healthy. And Taylor, like he really, he ran the ball well at the end of the year, and I think that won them a lot of games. Not because Phillip Rivers was just playing that great, you know, he was just managing, game managing, and the defense is amazing. Like there was yeah. a top three defense in the league this year. Um, so you have that defense, you have that run game. You're a quarterback away, like you said. Like, what else do you need other than that? They have a great old line. Their old line oh, yeah. is arguably the best in the NFL. So they're really a quarterback away from from uh, winning, especially in the division they play in. The division isn't very tough. Well, Jacksonville is going to be real interesting pretty soon. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville that that is going to be interesting to see how they play. They have a good they have a good running back in uh, James Robinson, and I like yeah. DJ Chark a lot. So they have a, yeah. they have a few pieces. So it'll be interesting to see how they unfold. I think they'll have to add a lot more to to compete, but it's a toss up. And our final game of the weekend, which I not chronologically the final game, it came yesterday in the early afternoon. First game of yesterday, the Baltimore Ravens picking up a big win, first playoff victory for Lamar Jackson, which, by the way, we do this way too quickly. When a guy loses two playoff games and we just start saying, oh, that guy can't win the big one, and it's like, oh, my gosh, it's his year three for him. Like, settle down a little bit. (laughs) Part of it might be that the team's not that great. Part of it could be the draw. I'm not a huge – obviously, I'm a Steelers fan. You know how I feel about the Ravens, but I was happy for Lamar to get this win. I was happy to see him finally get this win, too, because he's been receiving a lot of criticism. Like, the guy is young. He's a young player. Some guys don't even get to the playoffs until their third year. And it was it was awesome to see him finally get that win to get that um, get that monkey off his back that narrative that people are saying oh, he can't win when it matters he can't win a playoff game like he chose it's his fault and honestly I don't think it was his fault last year um, there was a lot of drop passes because the Ravens yeah. still technically don't really have a number one receiver in my opinion um, I don't yeah. think they do I think the difference this year and last year is that um, he used his legs more. And that was a game changer. Uh, he had 136 rushing yards. Um, he just changed the game completely. When he had that big run, uh, a 48-yard touchdown, that was amazing to see, like, where he dropped back. No one was open. And he just took off, made a couple guys miss, and then uh, dove for the pylon. That was that was awesome to see. And I think yeah. that kind of gave him that momentum. Like, he got guys fired up. And they shut down Derrick Henry completely. Oh, um, yeah. They shut him down completely. And, and that we was got a, a taste changer. of we got a taste of what can Ryan Tannehill do when he's not able to work out of that play action when they shut down Henry. Ugh, not pretty. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> he showed, he showed the, the Ryan Tannehill that we have known for many years. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Tannehill, he's a good quarterback, but yeah, not not not. I mean, he benefits greatly from Henry. They shut him down. The other thing I'll say, Jordan and I discussed this on our preview last week, it's really difficult to beat a team three straight times, especially in a calendar year. So they played each other last year in the playoffs. They also played each other earlier this season, and the Titans have won the last two. It was bound to happen for Baltimore to break through and win one of these games, and uh, they, they did. So I think that was another thing that worked against the Tennessee Titans in this game. Oh, yeah, it's tough to beat a team three times. It's tough to beat them two times, you know, three. Yeah. 
that's almost that's that's tough. That's tough. That's really another tough. reason why I thought the Bears would have a chance because of the, the yeah. history with the Saints. Uh, so it's tough to beat a team that many times, and the Ravens were fired up. That's a lot of bad blood between the teams um, from their previous games and just uh, how they how they're rivals. They're they're becoming rivals now. Like they didn't even shake hands afterwards, and they they just went to the locker room because of that bad blood that they had between them. Um, and it's hard to beat them. I think the Ravens were really fired up to get that win, and Lamar went in with the mentality like I'm going to do anything to win this game. And the defense performed really well. Like, shutdown Henry just changed the game because, like you said, that opens up so much for Tannehill with the play action. Uh, but they also did a good job um, in the secondary. Also, Corey Davis um, not really being fully healthy and um, and not really being in the mix, I think that also benefited them a little bit, uh, not having him opposite of um, A.J. Brown. Yeah, well – Ty, uh, I think that's pretty much my thoughts on this past weekend. So I want to give you an opportunity. I'm going to let you pick the winners of next week's games. And then we have to uh, chat and make a quick pick for the College Football National Championship tonight. So first, let me give you these games. We'll go somewhat lightning round just so we don't get too hung up on these games. But all right, the first one we're going to see. Uh, Saturday, this is a 3.35 Central Time game. The Los Angeles Rams at the Green Bay Packers. Uh, as a Bears fan, I would love to say the Rams, <laughs> but I can't go against the Packers and Rodgers. Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Rodgers, you can never bet against Rodgers. I got to go with the Packers winning that game. They're at home. I think it'll be a, a close game. Um, I think it'll be a high-scoring game also. I'm going to go Packers, 28, Rams, 21. Yeah, tough for the Rams just in terms of the quarterback situation right now. If Goff can get healthy, that'll give him a big boost. Um, Wolford just took a really bad hit and had a neck injury, so be interesting to keep an eye on. Saturday night's game will be the Baltimore Ravens at the Buffalo Bills. I'm so split on this game because <laughs> – the Bills' offense with with Diggs and Josh Allen is is amazing, but I think the Ravens have a little momentum um, going into this game, coming off a big win against the Titans, and finally getting over that hump. Um, I have the Ravens winning this game. I have them upsetting the Bills in a close game. I think it'd be a defensive battle somewhat, but also um, I would probably say for that game I'm going to go twenty four seventeen Ravens. 24-17. Okay, well, I'm sure the Bills, as they were watching last night's game, when they saw Steelers get off to that slow start, they were thinking, yeah, this Steelers team, we'd much rather play them because they're trending in the opposite direction, and the Ravens have won six straight now. So, hot team. Be interesting to see what happens. The first game on Sunday, the time is TBD. Browns at the Chiefs. I got to go with the Chiefs, man. That offense is high power. The Browns got an amazing win, but I think their run comes to an end pretty quickly with the Chiefs winning. Um, I'm going to go 35 to 21 Chiefs. Okay. All right. And finally, here we go again. Can the Saints win three straight against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and go a perfect 
3-0 and at home this time. That will be Sunday night's game. I'm skeptical. I don't Saints think, and the Bucks. As we just talked about, like, beating a team that many times is so tough to do in the NFL. Like, yeah. it's inevitable that the Bucks get this win. Um, I think the Bucks are starting to click now. Beginning of the year, I think that they had chemistry problems, but now they're really starting to mesh, and the receivers are starting to figure out how to play together with all three of them on the field at the same time. I'm going to go Bucks over the Saints in this one. I think they finally uh, get that win against them. I think it'll be a high-scoring game. I'm going to go 31-24 Bucks. All right, and stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can hear Jordan and I go a little deeper on previewing these games on Wednesday, most likely. Facebook Live, Twitter, and YouTube. Find me on Twitter at Jack Vita Show, Facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show, and YouTube.com slash Jack Vita. Follow those pages. I'll release more information as it becomes available. And that'll be a lot of fun. We had a really fun time going live uh, for the first time last week. So should be a lot of fun. And Ty, we got to talk about the uh, the big one. I'm so excited. I'm at this point a bigger college football fan than I am an NFL fan, even though the college football playoff, I think, is needing some serious uh, updates to it. They need to expand this thing. They need to make it better. Uh, kind of a lousy round one last week, but I think we're in for a really good game tonight with Ohio State and Alabama. I think it's going to be a good game, too. I think that a lot of people are underestimating Ohio State's ability to win this game. Yeah, um, I think that Ohio State has one of the most underrated receivers um, in college football, Chris Olave. That man is explosive. Uh, many people saw him in the um, game last week against Clemson, what he did to their secondary. Like, that man is a deep threat. Uh, he's a burner. And Justin Fields, he's a that guy is the truth, man. And I think they have a chance to win. I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to bet against Alabama. I'm not going <laughs> to be that crazy to do that. Because uh, I think their offense is really high-powered, too. But I don't think it's one of those games where it'll just be a blowout, you know. I think it'll be um, a game where they're going back and forth and Ohio State has a shot to win the game. But I'm going to go with Alabama to win this game. Yeah, I'm also thinking Alabama, Ohio State's going to need another big-time performance from Justin Fields. He won a lot of my respect last week after I had been a little questionable about him, at least playing at the next level. We know he's a great college quarterback, but Northwestern game, Indiana game, last year against Clemson, a little shaky in all those games. And the Northwestern game, he really didn't play well. So... I'm curious to see what we get out of him. I feel like it's a lot easier for me to lean Alabama. I do think it's going to be close. It's going to be a really good game. I think it's going to be a one-score game. I think Ohio State can win this game, but I feel a lot safer leaning Alabama here. Yes, I feel the same way. I I think that they have a shot to win, but I feel like Alabama is a safe pick, and I feel like they'll ultimately get the job done in the end. As you mentioned, uh, Justin Fields is going to have to have a big game for them to even have a chance. Like, if he doesn't perform well, if he plays how you play in that Northwestern game, it won't be good. If he plays how you play against Clemson, then they'll definitely have a shot. And I like Justin Fields a lot. I agree that he had moments where he questioned, like, um, how will this guy do, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that he kind of showed a lot of people last week what he's capable of doing on the big stage. And I think that this is his moment uh, right now. To, to make a, a name for herself, really, 
to solidify himself um, by going out and doing well against Alabama. All right, I got two last things for you. As you are a Michigan Wolverines fan, Jim Harbaugh got an extension. What do you think? Who else can you go out and get? I think Harbaugh, yeah. um, I think he's the best option for us right now as far as recruiting, getting people to come there. A lot of people say, oh, he's underperforming and stuff. Well, you got to look at the recruiting classes before he got there, and he's still like, now it's like all his players, but he's still trying to find that niche where he keeps those guys coming in and, and finds. I think quarterback hurts us a lot. We haven't really found like that quarterback for yeah. us that can like make those big plays and get the job done. And as you know, that's the most important position. Like if you don't have a good quarterback, it's hard to win any type of championship. You got to have a quarterback who can make those plays. And Michigan hasn't had that. We haven't had that over the years. Um, but I think that you have no better option than Jim Harbaugh. So why fire him? Uh, there's no point of firing him and hiring someone else when you're not going to have a better option than him. I'm glad that he signed an extension. I heard rumors that he might go to the NFL, that Michigan yeah. might not get him back. But I'm glad they was able to finally agree on something and um, they was able to get him re-signed. Yeah, I think it's a good move. I, like you said, I don't know what you're going to bring in that's going to be better than what Jim Harbaugh is for this school. And they're still a really good team year in and year out. Last year was their really their the outlier year where they did not they were not good. It was not a good season, but Notre Dame's had seasons like that. They stuck with Brian Kelly. It takes a really long time to build a program. You got to be patient. And if you move off and you bring in someone new, you run the risk of becoming like Florida State or Tennessee or one of these schools that was once a powerhouse and one of the, you know, one of the blue bloods of college football and now is irrelevant nebraska is another one i agree at least they're still relevant at least they're still good definitely and then if you get rid of him then like you say you run the risk of that not being the case and you're not going to recruit better uh by getting rid of jim harbaugh you're this is not going to happen you know uh with his ties to michigan his pedigree coaching in the nfl and having success in the nfl his pedigree of getting guys to the nfl like that's enticing to to recruit to hear those things and to to see his resume and know what he brings to the table as a coach. And um, it's Michigan at the end of the day, Michigan football. People are going to want to play there, but by having the right coach in there, like Harbaugh, um, I think that that's the best route to go and just building, building. A lot of teams become impatient and want to fire the coach and think that that's a quick fix when that's not the case. Finally, Ty. Michigan basketball is playing some really good hoops right now. Those guys are really good. I love Jawan Howard as as the coach, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think that he's a player's coach, and and guys want to play hard for him. And uh, Michigan is really getting to that point where they're hitting that stride, and uh, they're playing really well right now. Uh, arguably, playing the best out of any team in the Big Ten right now. Yeah, I think they're in first place. Yes. So it would be it would be awesome to see that. Little Wagner, that dude's uh, developing his game from last year to this year. There's a lot of talent on that team. Oh, yeah, fun guys, to watch. Guys are really improving. They're really like a, a fun team to watch. And uh, I don't think a lot of people projected them to perform this well um, this no. year. A lot of people didn't think that Michigan would be this good, but they're playing really well. They're playing as a team. And you can see that guys are developing by coming back for the other year. Like just having those guys that are back. Um, you're really seeing the improvement in the team and the chemistry. And then also, it's their second year being in, in Jawan Howard's system. So um, yeah. guys are really getting comfortable in that. And 
they and he lets them play their game. Like they play free. It's just it's awesome to see them performing so well now. Absolutely. Well, Tyree, great job on the show today. This was a lot of fun. Glad we were finally able to make something work. Man, thanks for having me. My pleasure, man. Thanks for joining me. Do you want to plug anything while you're here? You want to throw out your Twitter or Instagram handle, anything of that nature? Uh, you guys can follow me on Instagram. Uh, it's my full name, Tyree Thomas Jr. Uh, guys, go ahead and follow me on there. Yeah, do it. Follow Tyree, and uh, let's definitely do this again sometime. You're welcome back anytime you want, Ty. Oh, yeah, we definitely have to do this again. Thanks for having me, bro. It's been awesome talking sports with you. Uh, you're doing great things <laughs> with the podcast. It's awesome listening in on it. I'm glad I was finally able to get on the show. Well, folks, that concludes my conversation with Tyree Thomas. Very kind words from him there at the very end of the show. Uh, great guy. Always fun talking with him. I'm glad I got to introduce you all to Tyree on the podcast. I couldn't believe it took him 120 episodes, three years to finally make an appearance, but he did. He had a lot of fun, and I look forward to having him back sometime. Guys, it's Valpo Week on the podcast with everyone. I got Andrew Stem tomorrow to talk college football national championship. Should be a lot of fun. Jordan Mordini and I live later this week to talk divisional round of the playoffs. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out on any of these episodes. Make sure you're following along on social media. Please, again, if you like this show, share it with your friends. Share my website with your friends. Get them on the email list. Get them on the podcast subscription. I want to really grow this show, my readership, my listenership in the year 2021. So if you know someone that you think, hey, you like sports, and uh, this guy who hosts a sports show, I listen to his show and he's not a total buffoon, uh, share it with them. I would appreciate that very much. And leave a five-star rating and review. Get on our email list, subscribe. All that stuff does a lot of great for the show. Guys, I'm so excited for 2021. Despite a chaotic week last week, we still (laughs) rose above it all. We churned out a lot of fun content. We're going to keep doing that as this year continues to unfold. We're not too far away from spending some more time on college basketball. Once college football ends, I'll be shifting my attention over to that. We got some MLB off-season stuff. I'll probably talk about that with STEM tomorrow. Should be a lot of fun. Make sure you're subscribed. And guys, once again, thank you all for listening. Thank you for all the support in 2020. It was a long year, and God knows I needed the encouragement at certain points. Thank you to everyone for the kind words, the support, the listenership, It's been awesome growing this audience, and I think we're in store for an amazing 2021. I think God's going to do some big things this year. Stay positive. Keep trusting Him. We're going to get through everything that's going on right now, and we're going to do more than get through it. We're going to have a good year. We're going to have a good year. We're going to have a good decade. Just keep the faith. Stay positive. All right, y'all. I'll be back, as I mentioned, with Andrew Stem tomorrow. Jordan Mordini live later in the week. Don't want to miss out. Until the next time you hear from me, though, I am Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs>